How are we doing? Good? Well, we are talking about prayer. You know, as you remember, uh, we were unpacking Brendan's blank page at Bridgewood and, and really thinking through what are the elements. And so, once again, four big elements. Remember them? Discipleship. You can talk with me. Mission, right? Prayer and community. And so we, we've talked some about discipleship. We're moving into prayer this morning. And uh, we're going to unpack a wonderful text. But before we do, I want to tell you two stories. When I was at Anderson Windows, um, it was like one of my favorite jobs. I, I like to be in, in the midst of uh, just that kind of a setting. And uh, I, I love working with uh, blue-collar folks because... They don't have the white-collar polish that covers up their stuff. It's just kind of right there in your grill. And so um, I was working this line, which built the windows, the, the double-hung windows. Long, imagine all these parts clunking together and finishing windows. And the guy that was our line operator, um, I think his vocabulary was probably about seven words, all of which you shouldn't say in public, really, you know? And um, he, he was just one of those kind of guys. And I, so I, I would often pray, and at this point in time, the guys, they knew for some reason I was different, but they hadn't quite pegged it. And then word had gotten out that I was studying to be a pastor, and so they started calling me preacher boy. And um, I thought, okay, well, if, we're, if, if it's out, then it's out. It, it's all fair play. And I was really concentrating on this operator of our line. His nickname was Cannon, and I'm not sure how he got that. But anyhow, one day, we were having an awful day, and the line was, instead of making windows, it was crunching them. So instead of something, you'd hear, just hear these bangs and explosions. And when this is exploding, this guy is using his seven words very elaborately. And then he began to concentrate on asking God to send these windows to the dark place, if you get my drift, using God's name, right? And it was really distressing, and my spirit was like, what is he doing? And so I started praying for him. Lord, what, what can I do? And the Lord said really clearly to me, ask him if this is the first time he's prayed. So a window went through, it crunched. I heard him call on God's name to send the window to the dark place. And I said, hey, Cannon, is that the first time you've prayed? And the whole line stopped. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, that's, you know, I mean, you're asking God to, to do this. Is this the first time you prayed? Oh, shut up. Later on, though, he came during the break room and he said, what did you mean by that? And I said, I really meant that. Is that the first time you've asked God to do something for you? Because there might be a better thing to ask God to do, like fix the machine or give me patience or something like that, you know? And that conversation began to open up other conversations and a little Anderson Window uh, mini prayer seminar unfolded where these people started asking questions about, does prayer really work? right? So that was a really cool moment. Now, fast forward, years later, here I am, 56 years old. It's been, um, gosh, 20, almost 30 years. Actually, it is 30 years since I was working there. I'm old. Anyhow, uh, Brennan has tried to teach me to surf, which is, you know, this is not going to be on YouTube when this happens. But anyhow, we were practicing with our paddle boards. And um, I should have been praying, but I wasn't. And so Brendan was saying, you know, what you got to do is you have to lay on the paddleboard flat, you know, and you got to swim out, and then you go one, two, three, and then you stand up. 
Well, when you're 32 years old and your body is still working like it should, you can do that. When you're 56 years old and you've got fake hips and your body is stiff as a board, it's hard. So the first time, it wasn't too bad. But the second time, I, I pulled an intercostal muscle. You know what that is? It's the, it's the little muscle between your ribs. And intercostal muscles are really bad to pull because you can't ever rest the muscle because you have to breathe. You know, and if you stop doing that to rest the muscle, you're resting like forever. So it really hurt. It felt like someone had, I mean, I heard a pop. I felt the pop. And, and it was, I was just thinking, this is nasty. So, but did I pray? I didn't. I didn't pray. I'm a pastor, you guys. I'm teaching Anderson Window prayer seminars. But for some reason, I didn't pray. So uh, I didn't pray for days. And then Betsy said, you know, are you okay? And I said, well, why? <laughs> she said, well, you know, you're, every once in a while you wince when you just reach for something on the, the shelf. Or, and I said, well, yeah, I, I pulled this intercostal muscle. And she said, did you pray? To which I said, no. To which she said, well, I'm going to pray. So she did. Now, you think at this point in time, being a pastor for all these years, I'd have a rich storehouse of faith. But, I, you know, you kind of went through the motion. She said, amen. I said, amen. And, you know. And honestly, you guys, I, I really didn't expect anything to happen. The next day, when I woke up, I went out, and I, I was going to start to do my stretches, and I realized the Lord healed it. I mean, an intercostal muscle takes four months to heal. That's not factoring in how old this dog is and how much miles are on this body. So it might take me eight months. The Lord healed it. Why didn't I ask? Why? And I think sometimes in our Christian journey, um, oh my goodness, I didn't start my watch. Don't hold that against me, you guys. So, um, why do we stop asking? And, and then when we do ask, do we really believe what we're asking? Are you with me? I'm just trying to be honest with you in this. And so Jesus wants us to really get a handle on this. And, and the thing is, is that what we're about to read is an unbelievable deal, but we have to believe it because it's true. And so what I want to do is I want to read you this text. And I want you just to close your eyes. And I'm going to read it slowly so you can really listen with me. I won't do that voice, you know. But listen to this. This is in Matthew 7, starting at verse 7. Ready? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if he has a son who asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? There are five massive encouragements in this text. You can open your eyes now. Don't go to sleep on me. 
I really think the text is worth listening to. Five huge encouragements that we want to unpack and really use them to blow on the coals of our prayer life and to not be as dumb as Mark Spencer and why didn't I pray? And why didn't I pray with faith when I did pray? So let me give you these five encouragements that stand out. Are you ready? Encouragement number one. God invites us. He, in a sense, commands us, but it's really more of an invitation, and he does it in three different ways. Look at the passage. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Ask, seek, knock. Three different ways he's saying it. Three is the number of fullness in Scripture. It's the number of completion. Three. Jesus was in the grave how many days? Three. Just one example of that fullness. And so God is saying in a number of different ways to us over and over again, look, I want you to ask. I want you to, to seek. I want you to knock. Think about it this way. If you uh, are at someone's house and they're a good host, what does that host usually say to you? Hey, if you need anything, just let me know. Right? What God is saying to you in this text, and, and what Jesus is reminding us, God is saying, listen, if you need anything, anything, let me know. Let me know. I want you to ask me. So over and over again, we get this encouragement from God. I want you to. I want you to ask. I want you to look for me. I want you to knock on my door. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But I want you to see that he really means this. He's not annoyed. On this planet, we get annoyed when people keep asking for stuff, don't we? It's like, why, you know, do you think I'm just a candy machine or something? Why do you keep? But God is saying, I want you to ask. Do you get that? That's encouragement number one. Number two, God promises some things. And what's amazing to me is that there's three invitations, but these three invitations sit on a sure foundation of seven incredible promises. And this is where it starts to get unbelievable. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is either true or it's not. Right? So, look at the promises. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So, let me give you these. Number one, the promises that, that God is unpacking here is, it will be given to you. That's promise number one. If you ask, it says, it will be given you. Are you with me? It will be given. That's one. Two, when you seek, you will find. Number two, you're going to find it. It's not an exercise in futility. It's not wandering in the dark. God says, if you seek, you will find. That's promise number two. Promise number three, if you knock on the door, it will be open. It's not a closed-door policy. It's an open-door policy. Go ahead and knock. So the asker receives. That's number four. The seeker finds. That's number five. The knocker gets an open door. Number six, your father will give you good things. Number seven. It's an unbelievable package, isn't it? 
<laughs> I can't tell if you're thinking or if you're caught in an unbelief. But he, Jesus wants you to see, ask, and ask because God is promising all these things. You, it will be given. You will find. It will be open. You're going to receive. And it's going to be good. God gives good things. He's not toying with you. It's not an exercise in futility. But Jesus wants to encourage us more. So he's told us, God is inviting you to ask him. Not only is he inviting, he's guaranteeing you that he's going to respond to you. But listen to this. God's always available, 24-7. Now, close your eyes. Go ahead and close them. I trust you to wake up. Looking at this text, what's going on in your heart right now? You, do you wonder, like, well, why when I ask for some stuff, I don't get it? Or why when I look, I seek, I can't find? Well, is that what's surging? Have you just altogether stopped asking? Or do you feel like God's unavailable? rather than available. Open your heart and open your eyes. Because Jesus says, listen, you can ask and it will be given. You'll seek and you'll find. You'll knock and the door will be open. What is he talking about here? Well, if you had something that you wanted to ask me, I'm right here now, right? So you could go, hey, Mark, can we ask you something? And I would respond. Right? And if you knew there was something that you wanted to ask of me, and um, you, I wasn't here in the room with you, but you knew I was somewhere on the premises, you could seek me, and you'd find me. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. In the moment, if he's not like right center, and you're not even sure what to ask, then seek. And he's, he's on the premises, and you will find him. And the, the encouragement we get from the Gospels is not only are we looking for him, but he is always looking on us. Right? But here's the one that really blows my mind. If you come, and if you look in the offices of the staff, we started this tradition where there's a little red dot or a green dot in the window of the door. Have you noticed that ever? And the idea is, is that during the week, if there's a green dot, that means you can knock on the door and come in. And if there's a red dot, that means, whoa, either, you know, we're in a counseling session or a phone call, but it means don't interrupt, right? Does that make sense? Here's what Jesus is saying. There is no red dot on God's door. None. So not only do we have the sense that we can always ask, not only do we know that he's looking for us as much as we're looking for him, he's on the premises, but if we run and for some reason God's door is closed, so to speak, we have an open door policy with God. We can fling it open and go, Papa, I got to talk to you. If we're sitting in my office, and this has been my agreement for 32 years of ministry, if we're sitting and we're talking, and we might be talking about something really important, and my phone rings, I will only interrupt our conversation for one person, Betsy. 
I'll just say, excuse me, I just got to take this. But do you realize what Jesus is saying here? At any given moment, God will stop what he's doing to listen to you. You have that kind of proximity to the Father. So Jesus is saying, listen, you've got this invitation. You've got the promises that God's going to meet you in that invitation. And you've got access. There's no way you're ever going to get locked out. There's no way that you're ever going to get pushed out. There's no way that you'll ever be closed out. God has an open door policy for all of you. Now here's what gets tricky. Because when I talk to Christians about this, there's a surprising number of them that say, well, that might work for you, but it doesn't really work for me. And there's a temptation to feel that way. Talk to me, right? Sometimes as a Christian, say, why doesn't it work that way for me? And we start, scratch your head, here's where we have to believe what seems unbelievable. But it's true. So Jesus goes through and says, listen, You've got this great invitation. Listen, you've got all these promises that just fortify that. You've got unlimited access to the Father. And you know what? It's not just a chosen few. It is everyone. Every single person. So just turn to your neighbor and tell them you have access to God. Go ahead. Make sure everyone gets it too. Everyone. Everyone has access to God. You see, when you look at the verse, it says, For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be. Everyone. You can look at the Greek, and it means everyone. There isn't anything secret in this. This is for everyone. Not just a select few. God doesn't play favorites. In Christ, we are one. And so we've got this access as kids to go into the Father's Holy of Holies and ask freely to say, Lord, help me to see what you're doing here. Everyone has it. Martin Luther said this. He says, he knows, the Father knows that we are timid and shy, that we feel unworthy and unfit to present our needs. We think that God is so great and we are so tiny that we do not dare pray. That is why Christ wants to lure us away from such timid thoughts, to remove our doubts, and to have us go ahead confidently and boldly into the Father's house and say, Lord, I would ask you this. That kind of boldness. Because He invites us to do it. It's His good pleasure. And the amazing thing to me now, and this is kind of the final whopper of the five, is that God guarantees. He guarantees this. It's it's established on His Word. I guarantee. Now the promise is only as good as a promiser. Right? Which is why Jesus says, listen. In fact, I wonder if I, did I put this? Yes. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And so the the encouragement to us is ask, 
and you are going to receive God's good gift. It's guaranteed. You will get an answer. You will find. You will get an open door. Now, let me ask you. In fact, close your eyes again. This is risky business. At least you don't have to stand up and sit down, though. It's just close your eyes. You can have a peaceful. Now, now, just survey your heart. When you go to prayer, do you go to it in a way that understands the great and wide invitation of God? He loves to hear your voice. And when you go to that place and begin to set out your requests, do you pray with confidence that God will answer? That God will help you find? That God will open a door? Do you? And do you rest assured that God answers at good gifts? God wants to minister and bolster and encourage our hearts. But you see, this is what happens. All of this leads us to a place where there's this one question upon which the entire text wants to rest and answer and settle. This one question. Why, when I do what you're saying, Mark, and I ask, I don't get what I ask for? Is this not true? You wonder, why when I asked for that, did I not get that? Why, when I saw it, I I didn't seem to find? And, And why, when I knocked, it seemed like the door stayed closed? Don't you wonder that? Doesn't it make you shy back from just leaping into the text and believing it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Talk to me. Is that true? I mean, most of the people that I talk to, I know in my own life, that's very true. But here's what Jesus is quantifying. He's saying, when you ask, God is going to give a good thing. But have you noticed, many times the things that we ask for are not the good thing. Right? We ask, like this guy in Anderson Windows is asking God to send the entire line right down to the dark place. That's not a good thing. If it was just carte blanche, ask anything and I'll do it, you know, Anderson Windows would now be in hell. So obviously God is not just answering carte blanche, right? He's answering specifically with good answers. And so um, Rick Warren likes to say this. He says there's six ways that God answers prayer. Six ways. This is how he answers. Yes. No. Not yet. You are the answer. Trust me. And you've got to be kidding, right? He gets that one a lot from Spencer. It's like, really? That's your best one, Mark? Yeah, that's what I got. That's what I got. And so in the process of asking, we have to realize that there's another process that's happening in God's side because he wants to give good things. Sometimes that means waiting, which we love, right? 
That's what we all live for. Oh, another red light. Perfect. I wasn't in a hurry. A long line at the grocery store? I'll take it. Right? Snail mail. No. Right? So this idea of in it, God is working good. He's a good father. He, but he wants you to know he hears your requests. And in the process, we need to keep seeking. Lord, what are you doing? And we need to keep knocking because God wants to direct our steps. But he's inviting us. He's inviting us to engage in a new way. Why didn't I pray when I pulled the muscle? This morning, it was a technological nightmare. You know, you know it's going to be one of those Sundays when, you know, things aren't working. The server is like not breathing. And so Brendan says, God bless Brendan. He goes, well, have you laid hands on it and prayed for it? And I said, no, we didn't do that. And a couple of people kind of giggled. But I said, no, I'm serious. So we went in, we laid hands on it, and we prayed for it. It's still dead, but we're trusting God's going to do good things. Right? Right? We just, you know. What, what? But why didn't we just ask? Right? Why? And I think sometimes what happens in the long walk of Christianity is we're trying to make sense. Why? Why would I ask for that? Why didn't it seem like it just didn't happen? And this process that Jesus is talking about, the fact that we need to seek sometimes, sometimes we need to keep knocking, but realize this, there is a good father. Amen? Is there a good father or not? And does he want to give you good gifts? Yes. And so to that, Jesus says, I want you to pray out of that place, knowing your father loves to hear your voice, your father hears it immediately. And when he hears it, he begins to go to work on it because he wants you to have the very best things. When my father was beginning to pass and the COPT was taking its toll and he was gasping for breath, the, I mean, those are critical moments where you want them to understand who God is because you're about to step through the doorway. None of us dies. We transition. We move. To another place. And you realize heaven and hell is at stake. So we had talked to my dad quite a bit. And my dad was very private about uh, religion and his, his faith. So one day in the conversation, and I've, I've told you this story. I said, Dad, remember when I started St. Patrick's Field on Fire? St. Patrick, Patrick's Catholic Church. I didn't do it intentionally, by the way. Do you guys remember the story? You know, we were just... Trying to be like Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn, we had built this fort. It was in the drought of August, and we decided we were going to roast hot dogs. Little did we know, when you light a match in a dry field, the field goes up. And that's what it did. And so, I, you know, I was there with my neighbor friend, and he was trying to put it out. I said, Pat, this is not going to work. We've got to get out of here. I ran and ran and ran and ran and ran until finally I couldn't breathe. I stopped, and I thought, what am I going to do? And I realized I had to run to my father. So I turned around and I ran the house and I knew where my dad would be. But it was a closed door because he was in the bathroom shaving. It was about that time when he was getting ready to go to work. But because I was his child, I knew there's an open door policy. I flung that bathroom door open. Bam! And his razor was right about here. Bam! Dad, I started St. Patrick's Field on fire! 
Unbelievably, this was such a great moment for my dad. He removed the razor from his neck, grabbed the towel, wiped his face, and he said, did I hear you say you started the field on fire? And I said, Dad, the whole thing's on fire. He reached over and he patted me on the head. He said, son, it's going to be okay. And with that, he began to walk me through, um, took me up, defended me from this sister that wanted to immediately end my life, <laughs> got in between us, got in between me and the priest, and, and really uh, walked me through. And I said, now, Dad, let me ask you a question. Were you a good father in that moment? And he, and he tried to poo-poo it. He was like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I said, Why? Why is what you did a good father? And he said, what do you mean by that? And I said, why, why were your actions equal good dad? And he, he said, well, you know, and he, he laid some things out. Then his light went on. And I said, if that is a good father, then there must be a good father here. Because he sets the standard. He is truth, right, Dad? And my dad was now in the corner, and he had to say, I guess that is true. And I said, that good father wants to father you. Now, here's what's amazing. At the funeral, I told that story, and I told people that there is a good father who wants to father you and answer you. As I told the story, the guy I was with that we started the fire, his sister was there at the funeral hearing the story. It's the first time that she heard me tell the story of what happened to me. At the end of the funeral, she bolted right towards me, crying. And I said, Candy, what's up? And she goes, you don't know Pat's story, do you? And I said, no, why? What happened? You know what? When he went home, his father's response was to take him out in the middle of the living room, call a family meeting, and in front of everybody, he beat him. A big Irishman unloaded on him, pummeled him, pounded him relentlessly until the entire family was weeping and moaning and groaning at this abuse that happened right there in the living room over that. Unbelievable, isn't it? I said, Candy, can you believe that there is a good father in heaven that's not like that at all. She said, I wouldn't have thought that way. I wouldn't have believed it until I heard your side of the story. Jesus has come so we could hear his side of the story. He knows the Father like no one else. He represents the Father like no one else. Hebrews says he's the exact representation. That Jesus says to you and I today, He's a good father. Come in. Let's pray. Lord, we live in a world that's got so many fallen examples of what fathers look like. We live in a world where there's so many places where we ask for one thing and and get something else. Or get nothing. But the passage of Scripture that calls to us today is calling us with a fresh level of faith to pray like we never prayed before because we really do believe behind the veil is a good father who will answer 
what we ask for with good things. We might need to look for a little while. We might need to knock and make our entrance. But the invitation's clear. Lord, would you help us pray? In Jesus' name, amen.